Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. 35 years ago this spring, how crazy that we started this ministry. And I was thinking about all of the changes that we have undergone in 35 years. Well, well, guess what? 35 years ago, we had no communication except if you had a phone hooked to the wall. That was the only form of communication. You know, some had that little princess one. If you had money, was too poor. We just had to get the cheapest one that Bell South offered. But do you remember that? That was your only way to communicate. So I'm gonna just share a couple of things that happened. So early in the 90s, I guess we had been here for five years. One day, Pastor Gary came back from lunch and he laid this little triangular plastic thing down on my desk. And I said, what's that, you know? And he said, honey, this is yours. It's a beeper. It's a pager. And I was like, what? And he said, you won't believe this. He said, if someone needs to talk to you, they'll put your phone number in here. They'll put their phone number in here. And then it sends to you and you look at their phone number and they can call you. He goes, wait, let me show you. Let me show you. So he got, went over to my desk, to my desk phone, and he put that number in. And lo and behold, I looked down and it was the church number there. I said, oh, this is amazing. I just couldn't believe it. I was awestricken. I mean, I was holding something in my hand that wasn't, didn't have a cold up cord. You got it? Okay, see, that was it. And so the next day, Gary and I are at appointment. At an appointment, I'm waiting in the waiting room. And all of a sudden I hear this beep. And I scrambled in my purse. I knew it was in there. I scrambled in my purse. And I looked down and it had my friend's number in there. And that was shocking enough, but what I said was more shocking. And you'll think differently of me after I say, tell you what it was. But I looked at Gary, I said, how did she know I was here? I did. And I was very serious. That was my first dealing with technology. I was like, how did she know I was here? It was okay the day before because I was there. You know, I was there, he called me. That made perfect sense, but I don't know where she is. How did she know where I was? That was my whole thing. It was amazing. So then, oh my goodness, it was a few years later, I got off the, into that. And then the next phone, Gary had this big old hog lunch box looking thing. They had a cold up cord and he just, he was so proud of it. He just drugged that thing all around. He needed a wheeled cart to carry it and it plugged in the cigarette lighter of your car. That's it. You had to take all that stuff with you. We're talking about change, change over the years. Okay, so then in 1995, show the next one. 1995, what did we get? This is mine. It's got Mickey Mouse on it. Mickey Mouse stickers. That's my flip phone. Oh yeah. And we were cool when somebody called, you know, you're like wanting to flip it to show everybody I have a flip phone. 
And so then in 95, if that's not funny enough, in 95, then go to the next picture. Does anybody remember and did you have the Nokia phone that played a game called Snake? And people just thought you were like the coolest ever. Little kids just huddled all around you. You're playing a game on a phone. Well, I'm not gonna show you any more pictures, but then we got our, this is my first iPhone. It's so tiny. This is my, I've, I say phones, I'm sorry. I always think somebody's gonna get my information. So I've got all my computers I've ever had, all my phones I've ever had. I know it's, it's hoardish, yeah. So, in all these changes that have come over the years, I'm so thankful, so very thankful for Malachi 3 and 6 that says, I, the Lord, change not. In the midst of all the change. And in Hebrews, it also says 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same. Now, it means you don't change. The same yesterday today and forever. So you don't have to worry. You've got the past to look at to know he was faithful to that. He's going to be faithful in the future. Don't worry about what's coming because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same one said, I wish above all things for you to have abundant life. So we know the plan he has for our life. We just have to walk in it. We want to be like that. Don't you wish you could have that testimony that people would say, I'm telling you that Janice, she's straight as an arrow. You know, you know, she doesn't change. Wouldn't you love that to be your testimony? Unlike some people, the arrow starts bending and bending and bending and bending. Kind of like the guy that accidentally killed himself because he bought a new boomerang and he kept trying to throw the other one away. So today, my topic today is the one-way truth to life. Play on words, the one-way truth to life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, today, thank you so much that you're so much fun. You're so beautiful. You have so many aspects to you that we have never tapped into. And today we ask you to open our hearts, our minds, our ears, Lord, that we will be able to see and know and hear more about your wonderfulness, God. And we thank you that in these times of uncertainties, amid a pandemic of global consequences, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for that, we call upon you and we ask you to be glorified today in your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. So those of you who know this scripture from which I take my title, you already kind of know where we're going with this, so let's just, let's just go there. John 14 and 6, Jesus said unto him, I am, okay, we could really stop there, couldn't we? Think about it. I am the way, the truth, say it with me, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Do all roads lead to Rome? No. I mean, they might all, there might be a lot of roads that lead to the Rome, the city, but metaphorically, 
That is some people's way of saying it doesn't matter which road you take, it all leads to God. He's out there somewhere. No, that is not true. And if ever we needed to understand that Jesus is the only way, Jesus is the only truth, Jesus is the only life, it is this day. And so I'm going to, and for sake of time, it would take me a really long time to read all these stories, but you've read the story, so for sake of time, I'm just gonna give us a little synopsis of where we are when this particular verse was quoted. By this time, by this time, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the mute can speak, the lame can walk, the dead have lived. It's not a song. I don't know why I'm making it like it is. In this. But demons have also been reduced to pigs and cast off into the sea and drowned. Thank you, Pastor Gary. He's the one that taught us demons cannot swim the other Sunday when he preached. Lazarus was dead and now he is alive. And let me tell you, do you think the leaders and the chief priests were exuberant about this fact? No. Have you read the story? You know the story. Jesus has walked on water. He's calmed the storm. We could go on and on, but the chief priests were not happy with these turn of events. And they chose, the Bible said, they chose the law over life. Oh, look out. Look out. Do not choose the law over life. That's how you can get into religiosity, legalism, if you just choose the law and overlook the life. We want to choose life and still love the law. Nothing wrong with that, right? We don't want to omit it, but Jesus said, I came to fulfill it. I didn't come to take it away. So they're afraid. And the Bible says they actually devised ways to get rid of Lazarus and Jesus. Now, we didn't read that part. They just left it up to our imagination. I, I could imagine them saying, hey, I have an idea. Why don't we poison Lazarus? And then when he's dead, we tell everybody he, he had a rare disease and it put him in a coma for four days. And then he miraculously woke up and now, now he's dead. Well, that would explain saying that Jesus rose, he raised him from the dead, right? Well, then... That, that would be a good idea. Why don't we try something like that to dispel the faith that these people have gotten into? And while we're at it, why don't we find old blind Bartimaeus? Or why don't we find the old beggar that sat at the pool of Bethesda? He probably, he probably doesn't even have a job because he never went to school. He just laid around on that pallet all the time. Let's go give him some money, get him to take the pallet back to the pool and sit there so people will think, wow. He, he, he wasn't healed. Maybe it was something else. Jesus really didn't heal him. They were trying to do everything. And, and even, let's go find that adulterous woman and let's stone her in the middle of town just like we've always done. Let's just do the things the way we always did them. We don't want something that we can't explain. But I'll tell you, our God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, He cannot be explained because when you think you've understood Him, then you find out something brand new all about Him and you have to change that story because His ways and how He performs change, but He stays the same. And that's a paradox. 
in many ways, but I'm thankful for that. So six days later from these events that I'm telling you, six days later, now it's Passover. It's Passover Sunday. You know that Jesus rides through the town on a donkey indicating and people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Glory be to God in the highest. And people are screaming. They're going absolutely crazy. And this is John 12, 12 and 13. Much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, honestly, I don't know that they understood what they were saying. I don't know if it was really in their heart. Or you know how sometimes you get caught up because somebody else is doing something. And then you run out and you start saying it too. And you might not even know what it means. And I think that is what was going on with these people. Somebody else was shouting it. and They heard them saying it, waving it. And then they picked up a branch. Yeah, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And it just caught on. You know, it became a popular thing to say and to do. And we know this is a prophetic word given 500 years prior to this moment. In Zechariah 9 and 9, the scripture tells us that he would ride into town on the back of a donkey. We know that, that Jesus was prophesied and these prophetic words are coming true more and more, I would say. And the people were absolutely caught up in the moment. And the Pharisees said among themselves, perceive ye how you prevail nothing. Behold, the whole world is gone after him. The whole world is gone after him. That becomes a threat. That becomes a threat in society at any level when people begin to believe something and their faith is put into action. And then people begin to question that. And we all know that in the day we're living in. Amen. So many Greeks came to worship, the Bible says. They had come for the feast and they heard about Jesus, these Greeks that were from Galilee and various places. And you know what? They were, oh, sorry. They were curious and they wanted to see Jesus themselves. They wanted to ask him about this life. They wanted to ask him about the, the thousands that were fed, the miracles that, that had occurred. They were truly wanting to know, or at least some of them were. I'll just say some of them wanted to truly know. And they went to Philip, who's one of Jesus' disciples, and they said, we'd love to have an audience with Jesus. Could we just talk to him for a minute? Have you ever felt like that? Like if we had a guest speaker, maybe you had something you wanted to know, and they came down to shake hands, and you, there was something you wanted to ask. I mean, we're all curious in that way. And so just like we would always use the proper chain of authority, which we have here at City of Life, so they asked Philip, who was a disciple. Philip went to Andrew, who was a disciple that probably had more, uh, more authority when it came to this type of setting they were in. And then, G- and then Andrew and Philip together went to Jesus and Jesus said, yes, I'll speak with them. And so they, they got this audience with Jesus aside from him riding into town and Jesus began to teach them. And this is really when he begins to say what is about to happen 
an odd place in some ways and an odd group of people in another. And in verse 12, uh, verse 23 of chapter 12, Jesus says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I, we don't understand that. Why that hour? Why that place? But he said, the hour has come. He, because he's God, he knew, that's why. But he said that the Son of Man should be glorified. And he said, unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. If you love your life, you'll lose it. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Him will my Father honor. So is there any question that he is talking about himself? I say there's not. There's no question that he is referring to himself. And he said, if any man follow me, him will my Father honor. He's explaining it the best he can. Everybody say, Jesus is the way. Amen. And then Jesus said, you might think he said, praise be to the Lord. This is the most awesome moment ever. But no, what does he say in verse 27? He said, now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause, I came unto this hour. I mean, he is speaking such profundities to people that don't really know him. Yes, to his disciples that don't get it. We know they don't get it. We know how this ends. And as we follow Christ, you know, I just think that's a good word because Jesus said, my soul is troubled. You know, we are not, as Christians, people that just hop from cloud to cloud. You know, we're not. Sometimes our joy is dampened by the circumstances of life, from reports that we hear, from incidences that happen within our own families. Yes, and our joy is dampened only to be refreshed with a shower of comfort from the Holy Spirit, but not so that everything's going to be okay. Would you think that sometimes it's so you'll be ready for the next troubling of your soul and dampening of your joy? That's how we live from faith to faith. We go, our, your faith cannot be built hopping from one cloud to another. Your faith is built through the trials of life. The Bible says our problems work faith out in us and, and the trials and circumstances we go through. How many can attest to that? Yes, we all, we all do it. And I guess our raised up hand is saying, Lord, I trust you for whatever's coming next. I trust you, Lord. That, that's what I say. So then at verse 28, he says, Father, glorify thy name. And at that moment, the Bible says, a thunderous voice from heaven. Talk about getting some uh, validation and affirmation to something. The voice came from heaven and God said, I have two things. I have glorified it. I have glorified my name and I will glorify it again. And that's why God said a thunderous voice from heaven. And verse 30 said, guys, Jesus said, this wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, my father and I, hey, we're one. We know what each other's thinking and saying. We're one. But this word came for you so that it would help you to believe 
for your sakes I came to this world. And if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. If I, himself, he, the son of man, as it just said, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. So amen, God has spoken, let's go home, thy kingdom come. <laughs> nay, nay. <laughs> that is not what happened. Believe it or not, one of the people among the Greek walked up just after this profound moment, God has spoken from heaven. And they said, excuse me, sir. They were from South Greece, okay, <laughs> the South of Greece. Excuse me, sir, you said the son of man must be lifted up. Who, who exactly is this son of man, if you don't mind my asking? I mean, at that moment, if I were Jesus, I would breathe in through my nose, perch my lips, inflate my nostrils. No, but he didn't. He didn't. He just stood there because he is God. And, the, and verse 37 ends that part saying, though he had done so many miracles, yet they believe not on him. Say, Jesus is the way. I mean, against everything, Jesus is the way. Against a world now that's trying to tell you something different, we must declare and believe and hold to the fact that Jesus is the way. Amen. Give him praise for that. Nevertheless, verse 42, among the chief rulers also many did believe on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So we better not let people know what we believe, or they might do this to us, or they might do that to us. You see, we, we feel this tension that's happening even in the day that we're in today. They love the praise of men more than they love the praise of God. So then four days until the arrest of Jesus, and most people have failed to see that Jesus is the way. Say, Jesus is the way. In an evening, in the home of Simon the leper, isn't that weird, Simon the leper? Aren't you glad we're not known for our scandalous past or our issues that we've overcome? Hey, let's go to Simon the leper's house. We'll stop by old blind Bartimaeus's and maybe have some tea and then talk with Lazarus the walking dead and then don't get me started. I was, I was laughing at myself yesterday, thinking of all the way people are known for what they are. But here in this home, we know of a moment that, is, that stands in time and in history. Jesus himself at the end of this said, hey, forevermore in history, people are going to talk about this moment. But we know the woman that came in, a woman, and we don't know who it was, she came in with an alabaster box. Now I would say she didn't have any confidence in who she was, why? Because she was an empty shell. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life and you're just an empty shell. And she had no confidence in herself. And so she brought something that she did value, that she felt had some worth. And we know in that moment, she took that alabaster box and she break it open and out of it, and the fragrance filled the room, the spirit, the fragrance of a white liquid called myrrh. 
that's from Arabia and India, and she anointed the head of Jesus. Now we have read of others anointing his feet and drying, the, drying it with their hair. We've read of those, but in this instance, she anointed his head and his own disciples, the Bible says they were angry. The interpretation is they were angry and said, why? Always watch out people for people that start their sentence to you with the word why. I've studied this for years personally. They don't really want to know what you're going to say. They start this sentence. They already have concluded what it, the answer is to them, but they ask you to make you uncomfortable. How can you answer a question that starts with the word why? Why did you go there? Why did you call them? Why did you act like that? Why did you spend this? Why did you not consult me? It's, it, it's something that always puts people on the spot. And so in our house, I'm just saying, we decided we won't ask the word why to each other. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's hard sometimes. Like, uh, you know, if you break something and there's something all over there, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, I see that happened. Yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't say, why didn't you carry it with one hand and your little plate in the other? No, we, we see we already have those answers when we come to that word why, but anyway, they said, why did you take this valuable fragrance and pour it on the head and let her pour it on your head when we could have sold it and fed a lot of poor people? See, they, these people that act like that and have this kind of conversation put some guilt to it. They always attach some kind of guilt to it. But, you know, Jesus said, you, you don't get it. She poured this on my head it was metaphoric to saying, this is the king of kings. I'm crowning the king. At that moment, she was saying, he is no longer a prophet, but now he is a great high priest, the king and the Lord. And she anointed him not only to call him king, she anointed his head because she was pouring forth myrrh to prepare him for his burial. And he even said those words. He said, what she's doing, she is preparing me for my death. And someday people are going to talk about this and they're going to tell this story and they're going to preach it in 2021. And they're also going to preach that the very people that followed me were angry and indignant about what was happening. They were filled with indignation the Bible says. And isn't it so? We, we know that story. When we hear that story, the first thing we think of is, why didn't his disciples really see Jesus is the way? Say, Jesus is the way. So that is where we come to when this scripture, I am the way, the truth, and the life happens. In chapter 13, on the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus shares that last meal with his disciples and remember when he's getting ready to, to serve the meal and John is laying over on his chest and, and, Jesus says, he's, and Jesus says, somebody here is going to betray me. 
And just like we all are, if we said that right now, if I said, I know there's somebody here that has done this exact thing, all of us would be like, oh God, I hope you haven't told her my name. And that's the way they were. They were like, is it, is it me? Or, or that skit we did that time, is it I? Is it I? Lord, is it I? Sully was in that, remember? But at that moment, Jesus said to John, he said, now the one to whom I give the sop, he will betray me. Do you know what a sop is? You know the crusty end piece of bread that's, that you dip in the gravy? It's, is that not the best part? It is the best bite. He said, the one I give the sop to, he will betray me. And so John was the only one that really knew who this was going to be for, for some time. So they go through the meal. He says, this is my body. This is my blood. He's tried and tried to tell them I'm the way, the truth, the life by his life that he's lived, the miracles he has performed, the words that he has prophesied and spoken and the life he's lived. And they still are not convinced of it. And so he gets up and he washes all of their feet. You might say, you mean Judas's? Yes. He washed all of their feet. Why? Because he's God. He made them all. He has his love that he wants to share with all. And he, he didn't like, you know, cr crunch his toes backwards or try to, you know, I know what you're going to do. No, he, he used great love, the same love with Judas as he used with John. And we know that when dinner was over, then he said to Judas, Go do what you're going to do. Do it quickly. And so once Judas had left, this is a very long story, I know, guys. <laughs> but once J Judas had left, Jesus then begins to speak to them, said, no man knew at the table for what intent he spoke to them. Let's just say their discernment tank was very empty at that moment when, when that was being said. And how are we so much like that if we don't stay connected and close to Christ and with our head leaned upon Him, listening to what He wants to say constantly, not missing one moment to hear what our precious Lord is saying. But then they all left and Jesus started out by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again. I understand that, but people did not understand that. They did not get it. He said, you guys are coming. I'm leaving and you guys are coming. And verse five, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know the way where you're going. Where, where are you going? Where's the castles you're talking about? Are they over in Capernaum? Are they back in Nazareth? What, what do you mean? Are you going to draw us a map? Our GPS is not working. You know, are you going to show us? Are you going to give us a clue? What do you mean? Where is this kingdom that, that we've heard about for so long? Now you say you're going away. How are we going to? And that's when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, not you, not me, not the disciples, no man comes to the Father but by me. He said, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. 
And from henceforth, you know him and you have seen him. And what did Philip say right after that, the next verse, verse nine, Lord, just show us the father and we'll be satisfied. <laughs> they did. They still didn't get it. He said, just show him to us. You said, if we've seen you, we've seen the father. Best illustration I could have of that. How many of you have seen Jeff, Pastor Jeffrey before? How many of you have seen Pastor Gary before? Okay, if you've seen Jeffrey, you've seen the Father. That's all I can say. They look so much alike, do they not? And, and that, that is what Jesus was saying. And Jesus said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. We are one. Now, you've got to believe me. I am the one. I am the way. In the movie Braveheart, remember that? The same kind of thing? William Wallace, if y'all saw that at that moment, I read the story. I didn't see the movie. My husband and all the warrior men in our family have seen it. But uh, in, in the movie, I was reading that at one point he's trying to convince these men of Scotland to come and join him, a new troop that has come. And he says, now I want us to go together. I've got a plan. I'm William Wallace. And then somebody shouted out, you're not William Wallace. William Wallace is seven and Pete tall. And then he says, I am William Wallace. And I feel like Jesus was feeling that same frustration when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, I've got three parts of this sermon and that's just on the way. I've got the truth and the life. But I will say to you, concerning the time we're living in, when you search for freedom without Christ, you lead yourself into greater bondage because he is the truth. He is the truth. And I want to close with this, this story. It's a true story. There was a father and son. They had great love between them and they found a hobby very early on in the young son's life because they had lots of money. And their hobby was buying expensive, extravagant paintings and filling the walls of their home with these extravagant paintings. And so at one point, the boy left and had to go to Vietnam. They had acquired quite a collection. So the son left for the war. And while he was there, a young soldier was dying. And in his attempt to save the young man's life, which he did save, it cost his own life and the son died. And some months later, the father was still in grieving and so saddened and felt his life could never move forward in many ways. Those of you who have lost, I look at Janine this morning. You lose those family members and you wonder how, how is it gonna be from this point on? Many of you that don't know, Janine's husband and her husband's father both passed away on the same day last week. So remember to pray for their family and how beautiful that she's here in this service, worshiping and praising God. But the father heard a knock at the door after a few months and it was a young boy. He was limping and he had a big package under his arm and he identified himself as the soldier that was saved at the expense of the father's son. And so the father was curious about this package under his arm. And finally, the guy said, this is, I'm not a professional or famous painter by any means, but I just remember the look in your son's eyes as he was saving my life. 
and losing his own. And he said, and so I tried my best to paint this portrait of your son because I know how much you love paintings. And so he opened it and the father was completely astounded that he captured the glimpse, the look in his son's eyes and to think he was the last person that saw his son. And so the father took that painting the young man left and wouldn't take any money for it and said, it's my gift because your son gave me my life. And the father put that painting over the mantle that once held a Rembrandt. And there were many other beautiful paintings in the house, Picassos, all the great names that you could even imagine. But he hung that portrait of his son over the mantle. And a few months later, grief stricken, the father passed away. And so there was an estate auction. And at the estate auction, people came from everywhere that knew the Picassos, the Rembrandts, all these famous paintings were in that auction. And they all sat in anticipation, waiting for the auctioneer to begin. And the auctioneer brought out the painting of the sun and he set it before the people and he said, do I hear a bid? Do I hear a bid for this painting? And, and people started sniggering and laughing. They didn't recognize this painting or who the artist could possibly be. And so the auctioneer, once again, do I hear any amount? And several times people said, we don't want the sun. We want the Rembrandts, the Picassos. We don't want the sun. And that began to be the chant in the room, rudely, rudely speaking. And so far back in the back of the room was an elderly man. And he said, I'll bid $10, $10. And the auctioneer said, $10, do I hear 20? No one replied. 10 going once, 10 going twice, sold for $10. And so the, the man identified himself. He had been the gardener of that estate all of these years. And at that moment, as he walked forward, the auctioneer put his gavel down and he said, the auction has finished, it is over. He said, I could not disclose this secret until this moment, but I was told that whoever bought, whoever took the sun would get all that's within the estate. So today, So today, will you take the son? Will you take the son today? The son that gave his life to save yours. The son, he is here. He is the way. If you fail to accept Jesus and say, I believe Jesus is the son of God and he died for my sins. If you fail to accept him in your life and you do not take that step, spend eternity apart from God, apart from Him, separated from Him in eternal punishment. And you know, today you have an opportunity to say, I believe Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. If we bow our heads for a moment and close our This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.